they say this is impossible or they say I can't do this. And and then what happens? We get stuck on a lane that we're just living in and operating in because that's what we've accepted. Right. And and the fact is you don't need to. You don't need to. Those are all limitations. Just think of it. Oh, that's a limitation. Be insanely great. You're whatever it is for you. For us, it's a fun place to be. Talk about life, talk about consciousness, talk about all that is in a perspective that many of us may not have considered. But here we are, as the beautiful doves play in the background behind the camera. One of these days, we're going to have a reverse camera where you can see all the nature that I continuously call out as I'm appreciating its, its abundance surrounding me. And live show viewers can warn Joe about the hawk attacks. Oh, yes. I saw one flying overhead the other day. I saw it on the wire as I was walking my dog, Lola. Today, it's just doves and finches and the occasional blue jay, cardinal, woodpecker, butterflies, and all the lovely tropical vegetation surrounding me in my, in my yard that I'm very thankful to, to have planted. I gotta say, and maybe I'm getting into this early this, this week, but my little miracle for the week is walking my dog every morning. Uh, we got a little puppy. She's five months old. She's an old English bulldog. And they do this thing that I, I, when we first were researching the breed, we were like, oh, this is so nice. They're lazy couch potatoes. They're more of a friend than they are, you know, a, a dog sort of thing. And that all sounded great. But the other thing is that they are a bulldog still. So they have a very, very stubborn streak. And they have this thing called anchoring where it's just, they decide they don't want to go someplace. They just sort of sit down and then they will be dragged. And they don't care how much of a scene that they're making. And so we were slowly, we're taking her out for walks, me and my partner every morning. And we've gotten in this habit now where, you know, she will, will go 30, 40 feet and then it stops. And then I go, oh, what's this? And it's a treat in my hand. And she comes running and we get another 40 feet out of her. But out of that has come so much joy meeting so many different people who are morning walkers or morning joggers, morning bicyclists, all these different people, because this is something they don't tell you about owning a dog, but when you go for a walk and someone comes up and compliments your dog, that compliment goes straight up the leash into you and you get the compliment and you love it. You feel warm and fuzzy inside. And it's like the, the dog just wants pets and things like that. But, oh, it's a cute dog. It's like, yeah, 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 it is. It is. It's my cute dog. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. There's a giant uh, lizard right here. What's up, little guy? Giants. It's probably about a foot and a half long figure out the name of him but he literally came up within a foot of me and and did one of these like hey what's up? I'm like <laughs> wasn't an iguana smaller version anyways uh <laughs> as john lennon wrote dig a pony right you know pony dog you know you can you can you can dig anything that's that's in your world and appreciate it and to your point yes that does flow up the compliment and the genuine expression that that the others are are giving comes right into you you know no matter what the circumstances it be a shirt you're wearing a hat you're wearing but you know especially a living being that you're caring for that you know you've invested so much love and, and energy into training and and helping understand that to some level <laughs> what the what the thing that you wanted to do is even though it might not want to do it yeah, that's a lovely thing to celebrate because you're constantly building on it to where hopefully you don't go backwards, yeah. right? you know? <laughs> and I mean, even if you don't have hopefully. a dog, like if you see somebody coming up on the street, they've got a dog and they look, looks approachable, just giving them a little pat saying how cute that dog is. You're going to make somebody's day. You're going to make that dog's day as well. And that's a good dovetail for my miracle. I feel like this happened, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago. So my dog is, her name's Lola. She's like 12. 12 years old, 13 years old, somewhere around there. She's a, she's a mix, uh, shepherd mix. She's a super social with people, loves people. Any person that gives her attention, she'll get on her back and on her belly and she's all over the place doing her thing, like loving it. You know, so for that, I'm like, you go girl, you get your love. You know, I, I give it to you, but someone else can give it to you. It feels like a new experience. Good for you. But other dogs, not so much. She's like, you know, but maybe, but I, but maybe, you know, sometimes people say dogs are almost a reflection of our own kind of energy and, and walking by, I'll admit, like, I feel like there was always a fear that she would, you know, 
lunge because she's super strong. Like she'll pull me down the street. Like five years ago, she 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 pulled so hard against. There were a couple uh, Great Danes. My mother in law was watching her, and she she tore her rotator cuff because she pulled so hard. Anyways, my point is, is like we would walk around, and there's my, one of my neighbors has has two beagles. There's two sweet little beagles, and um, she would always like bark, you know, with them, but. They would bark at her when she was walking by, you know, and so it was like a mutual barking thing. And then my neighbor, she says, oh, you know, let's let him let's let him maybe get friendly. And, you know, and and you know what? I was like, I was I totally was open to it and and we did it. And now they're great. You know, they they don't bark at each other. They just say hello. And so sometimes you just need like a little a little warm introduction without any fear to add to the equation to to divert it to what you don't want. Right. And so. You know, then then there's other people I walk by, which she'll do the same thing. But I feel like it's maybe more of them because I feel like I'm embodying that to not have a fear that she's going to go go nuts. But like the other people, I can kind of sense that there's some sort of like, oh, let's move fast or let's go away. Or so that was something that for me was was my own little miracle that one less one less neighbor to walk by without without Lola freaking out. Um, walking by and for them for them, too, you know, she's the little beagles aren't going to pull her. But an embarrassing thing you know too it's like your dog's barking can't you just be quiet and we just walk and we can say hello kindly without this being some big thing so yeah that's nice at 12 she still has so much energy i mean that's uh we we pass a lot of older dogs and they are just they they can be a little grumpy sometimes they could use a mindset shift (laughs) she loves still chasing squirrels she she loves chasing mice that that run across the top of the fence last night just last night there was one and she was running all over the place feeling like she could she could do something she used to catch the lizards that i just came up to me you know she feel like she was saying talk about me too (laughs) (laughs) joe what's the most interesting thing you've read this week you're always constantly reading different books you send me text messages with just uh, a quote from a book photographed in it and i'm like oh crap that's going to be the rest of my day thinking about that what's new and interesting that you that you've come across this week that's sort of sticking on your brain I guess I guess the thing that I've been thinking about, not so much a quote, it's more of an observation of my own mannerisms and my own way I'm approaching things is and something I talked about a lot. It's it's thinking about the future, thinking about the past and trying to be present. And sometimes when you read things and sometimes when you think about things and sometimes when you get involved into things in life, as much as you accept that as truth, that the present moment is where all the potential exists. Sometimes you get pulled in different directions. Sometimes you get, sometimes that happens, right? And so, so I've been trying to not think about that stuff because I feel like there's been elements of concern that have come in. And so I want to say one thing is, I mean, one thing I can say is I feel like there's been things written and published about that talk about your conscious ultimately controls your subconscious to an extent, right? And so if you practice something and with athletes it happens with people that become specialists in things and go through school like you train you know the ten thousand hours thing with the beatles and all that stuff like you you're consciously focused on something and then ultimately your subconscious will get to the point in which you're that much more efficient at it you're that much more effective at it and reading something that can't remember can't recall specifically what was said but it was almost like if you think about the energy that powers your body beyond just the conscious subconscious, like a predecessor to that. A predecessor to that is the energy that beats your heart, the energy that powers your life, the energy that gives you awareness, that functions every element of your body and your being, and trying to trying to feel and understand that at a level that precedes subconsciousness, precedes that. And to really just even think about what that could even mean, because, you know, the reality is, is like, you're not consciously learning how to pump your blood (laughs) you're not consciously learning how to breathe right and so what is there that precedes that subconscious that is comprehensible as einstein said comprehensibility is one of the most fascinating mysteries that exists within our world like no matter what there is you can dive deeper you can dive deeper you can dive deeper and you can you can understand and there's no limit to the depth of understanding that you can ultimately attain because no matter how deep you go, there's still who knows endless amount of layers that exist that you can't even perceive of or comprehend until you get there. 
until you have that experience, until you're in a place in which sometimes we even read things and we don't really fully understand it, even though we believe it and we accept it as truth, we don't fully understand it until we actually experience it, right? And so I think that's one of the things that's, again, not so much a quote, but just so much, but something that I was thinking about this this week in terms of like, what is that? How does that, like, what is, how, and, and is, and is that what happened? Is that what I feel? Is that what we feel when we meditate? Do we feel the energy of that's powering our body? And is that go deeper than our subconscious? Is there an innate intelligence there that is, you know, literally knows what to do, <laughs> knows what to do and at least running our bodies and is, is likely the same intelligence that's running the nature that's in your world and my world and, and all of that, right? And thinking about that at, at a deeper level. So long-winded response, but yes, like that's what I would say I've been thinking about because I feel like we have a lot that's focused on the conscious and training the subconscious and all of that. But like, what about the layer beneath that, that nobody's looking at, but very simply is from my perspective, at least with what I feel and what I've, what I've experienced, like starts with a heartbeat. Nobody's alive unless they have a heartbeat, right? So why don't we look there? Like That's energy. That's electricity, right? <laughs> sounds reasonable. Sounds simple enough. It's quite interesting that, that we're not exploring that deeper. And I mean, you see it all the time around in different places. Like, you know, what's that thing about babies when they're born, they know how to swim, but then they lose that ability as they, as their brain starts to develop more. Like there's definitely something that innately, and I mean, you know, you look at nature, animals that are born 30 seconds ago, they're up and running and, you know, they're active. They're doing things that no one taught them how to do. They were inside of somebody else a second ago, and now they're up. They know instinctively how to nurse. They do all these sorts of things. And I mean, even when you look into some of the cool stuff, like how when a mother holds a newborn, her skin will start to heat up more just to keep the baby warm. Like that's not something that you're doing. It's something that somewhere along the line, some energy, epigenetics, how to, in whatever way that you want to define it, has made this possible in a way that the greatest minds, the greatest designers in the world, sorry, Steve Jobs, would not have thought of this on his first try of making up motherhood. I don't think. I think this is something that comes years and years and generations, generations of, of an energy that we don't even know about. Yeah. And energy cannot be created nor destroyed, says the scientific experts of physics. So like I said, like, like Einstein said, the comprehensibility is enormous. And at the same time, the simplicity of some of these things that we just take for granted because it's, it just is, right? And then we're focused on the conscious, subconscious, but then what if the layer beneath that is so much more powerful and so much more, so much more beneficial and so much more natural and, and simple, right? It is simple. Is it, is it complex? Yes, because of the, all, of the, all of the multifacets of individualized expressions that exist within nature and plants and animal life and you know, within the planet like mineral life and all of this stuff, like all of the elements, like it's all here. Right. And so it's, it's just something that's fascinating that I think again is, is because we have so much of our focus on what's above that and what's right within what we feel is, is our physical world, but getting deeper to that and trying to think and understand that is, you know, I think at least for me has been incredibly eye-opening in terms of perspectives and removing limitations. Limitate anytime you can find a limitations coach. This is one of Coach K, the Duke, you know, Hall of Fame basketball coach. Find your limitations and then you know where to, you know where your weaknesses are, you know where to go beyond, you know where you got to work on so you can you can expand that and get beyond that limitation, right? And it's literally that simple. Like we're in a world of limitations. If you really kind of pay attention to it, like that's that's literally what it is. And the more you can find those limitations and remove them and not allow them to be something that limit you, the more unlimited you become and the, the more freedom you have naturally. Because what is freedom? Freedom is non-existence of limitations, right? At, a, at its most basic definition. I think I've been seeing a great example of this uh, lately. Again, with our dog, we have these baby gates set up around the house. So we've got a dog and we've got two cats. And we want the cats to have as much mobility as possible, but the dog can't go everywhere. So we've got these baby gates. And for the longest time, it was just the baby gates and um, they have this little door in the bottom of them. The door we can open up and close them as, so that cats can go through. And for the longest time, we kept them all closed because the dog was tiny enough that she could get through the gate as well. If we hear the, the sort of hole for them, if we kept it open. And now she's a little bit bigger. 
uh, and we started opening up and she definitely could fit through those holes if she tried, but she now just has in her mind that those gates you can't get through. Even if there's a hole right there that she definitely can get through, she's defined it in her mind as something that she can't pass. And so she won't, and she won't even try. And that is, uh, I mean, it just goes to how powerful mindset can be even in all sorts of different areas. There's an experiment that was done with like flies or gnats or something, and they, they put it in a, in a jar and they put a cover on the jar and then the, they bred and they had baby gnats. And then so those, old, those gnats passed on and then there was new, the new generation of baby gnats. Then they removed the lid from the jar and it was totally open. And every generation that was thereafter <laughs> never went beyond the lid because they had that limitation set within them. And that's a gnat. And to have that function on the same level that we understand it to be, is it our, is it, could it be our perception has those limitations built in that's then expressing to then become part of what we're observing? It's probably several layers beyond what, what, what we signed up for when we're, we're thinking where that conversation began, but it's, <laughs> but that's what the type of stuff you got to think about, right? You know, it's like, we're so limited and focused in what I, you know, I'm trying to do now and get beyond and they're only we're only thinking about the next thing and not really present with what's happening and like these are the things that these are the fundamental elements of the of, of life that are powering your existence to not understand and try and gain a depth of knowledge to to how that can benefit you like that's the magical thing that exists here that we're talking about is like trying to understand this to a level of as to how you can benefit from it how you can Utilize elements of, of understanding to remove these limitations, to be more free and have less of the burden of everything outside of us become something that, that we embody and that, that we have stress from, you know? I think this dovetails really nicely with, I mean, the article that I found this week that really starts talking about the, the origins or the, the burgeoning field of contemplative science, which I feel like, Joe, you were way ahead of the curve on you've been thinking about this stuff in the same ways that the scientists have been thinking about it you know since you started your journey and it's this new interdisciplinary field which even that in and of itself instead of siloing off these different realms of uh knowledge bringing them all together is also something you do in your day-to-day -day life all the time so it makes sense that you were already thinking about this but it's this uh, so contemplative science it's it's this field that is trying to study practices like meditation prayer and psychedelic use uh, affect the mind and the brain and the body and how those are connected. And I think uh, one of the things that all three of those sort of have in common is the capacity to almost force you outside of your regular way of thinking into a completely different mindset for a while. And then once you have that new mindset, I mean, I think it's part of the reason why it's been disregarded for so long is you can have this new mindset, but then you go back and you talk to all these people who haven't had that same experience and still have that same limitation. So it's it's almost like, talking two different types of languages to folks. But now this uh, contemplative science, it's trying to find insights from like psychology, neuroscience, philosophy, religious studies, to sort of see how the mechanisms behind these practices and their effect on like mental health and well-being, cognitive functions. And, you know, first started focusing on just mindfulness, but now it's really trying to get into advanced meditation, things like what the, the levels of meditation that Joe, I think you're experiencing pretty regularly now because you've sort of trained your brain to the point where it's at that subconscious level that you can do this, you can access it. Buddhist monks have been doing it for years. And so they're just looking to like, how do we study these practices and how do we validate it and make them more accessible to folks? And I think that's it's so exciting because I think that's also part of the, what we're trying to do here. You came all guns blazing on our first client call, you know, in February talking about this. And it was like aiming a fire hose at a teacup at the time. <laughs> What a great analogy. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really great analogy. A fire hose and a teacup. That sounds, you know, I mean, you know, even, I mean, even from a, you're going to burst the teacup. <laughs> we, burst, we probably bursted the teacup, bursted a few teacups. <laughs> that's a lot. And I mean, even just listening to you say all of those things, science and like all of the terms, that's a lot to swallow, right? That's a lot to even wrap, begin to think about wrapping your head around. You know, it's like part of me is like, man, that's like, I can't even begin to even talk about, think about the first thing you said, much less all the 15 things you said that they're trying to wrap into one thing, right? And, you know, what I'll say to that is I feel like there's a lot more practical. So like the interesting as humans, we need to analyze and 
scientifically prove and create data that then gives us a reference point for validation that says this is good, which I in the first like I needed that absolutely in the beginning of my in the beginning of my journey. I wasn't going deeper than, you know, a day or two without saying, like, what's happening here? How do I prove this with data? Because if I don't see the data, it's not real. Right. And so that's the first thing that I had. That's one of the first hurdles I had to get beyond was to see the data and, and believe the data. And, and then ultimately, as I experienced things that validated what the data said would happen first and then what would happen next. I'm like, wow, this is happening to me. <laughs> this is happening to me. Like it, it, I just, I, it makes sense. Like I don't need to get into that depth. Right. But as society and, and humanity, like it's needed to have these elements of, of science with data behind it to provide that foundation of proof and truth that everybody looks for from a scientific perspective to be able to say, okay, I can go further. I can go deeper. I can let me try and see what's here. Right. And so, you know, I think that that's I mean, and the reality is, is I wasn't, you know, trying to look at all those scientific elements and pull it together. Like, that's not what I was doing. Were there elements that that needed to get validated through quantum physics and through some level of epigenetics, epigenetics? You know, yes. And, and thank you, Joe Dispenza. Thank you, Deepak Chopra. Thank you, Wayne Dyer. Thank you, Bob Proctor and all these authors and, and speakers and writers that really helped me kind of formulate that understanding. And for everybody, it's different. Everybody's going to have their own path. But yeah, like there's so much more than just using meditation as like a stress relief. But before even getting there, as you said, Riley, you need to have a point of reference. You, do, you don't know what you don't know, right? And so as one, I think Einstein said it, like there were all these people that came in and, and because they didn't know, they achieved all these great things, right? Like the four minute mile, nobody thought the four minute mile was possible until someone did it. And then all of a sudden, all these other people did it, right? That's a limitation, right? You can't go beyond this. Well, watch me, you know, let me do it, right? And then we did it. And so the more we understand these limitations in our lives and the reality is, is that almost all of us are, our entire conscious awareness is in every moment is driven by the limitations that we've accepted. Very simply, that is our life, whether it's our finances, whether it's our jobs, whether it's our personal lives, whether it's our relationships, whether, you know, no matter what it is, as soon as you say you can't, limitation. As soon as you say any of that, limitation, right? But when you believe, and you talk to any of the most successful people on the planet, they'll say, I believe, no matter what, everybody said I couldn't do it, but I believe. They're the ones that broke beyond that. They're the ones that you look, they're like, wow, look what they achieved, you know? But that perspective didn't exist. That perspective wasn't there. And yes, we as society need to, you know, just need to see somebody do it first before we can say we can do it. You know, that's why we look at, you know, the athletes and, and all these people that have all accomplished these great feats. Why do we put them on such a pedestal? Because they've broken beyond the limitations. They've broken beyond the, you know, all the, you know, Michael Jordan and LeBron James and Kobe Bryant and, you know, all these people and Patrick Mahomes, you know, like all these people are doing all these things that nobody saw. I'm like, oh my God. Very simply, if you break it down to the common denominator between every one of them, they all broke beyond a limitation and all of the world is like, oh my God, oh my God, you know, like, wow. But it's literally like the common denominator is there was limitations and they broke beyond them. And so can we find those limitations with our own life, one limitation at a time, break it down and remove that from something that allows that we're subconsciously allowing to run our life. I remember I've got a little anecdote about this because I, I find it it's so it, it dovetail really really nicely with this. In like 2008 2009, there's this new artist on the scene that just sort of burst out of nowhere in the UK. Sort of he just uploaded a song on a SoundCloud. Uh, his name was Jai Paul, and this song sounded like nothing anyone had ever heard before. It just had this texture to it. He was taking influences from like Bollywood, uh, UK garage, indie music that was happening at the time and smashing it all together into this new thing that no one, no one could really wrap their head around. And the production of it was so interesting because there's this technique called sidechain compression, which uh, Daft Punk, if you've ever listened to, everybody's listened to Daft Punk. What they do is every time the kick drum hits, they use the sound from the kick drum to activate a compressor on the rest of the music so that the rest of the music would dip down for a second. So you'd hit the, you'd hear the kick even harder and the kick would really, really get into your bones and really, really thump you. 
Jai Paul and his brother got into the studio and made this song where they turned that up to like, and you know, after someone figured out how Daft Punk did it, there are tutorials online that you can watch about how to do this. You don't, don't, don't apply too much compression. Only do it to the lower frequencies because that's all that the kick really needs to move in, things like that. Jai Paul and his brother came in and just, it sounds like they didn't know how to do this thing. It's, they overdid it so much. It pumped this music to a degree that no one had heard before. It's a legendary song now. It's legendary because it was like a demo tape. It's recorded really poorly, but the artistry, the composition of it, just the sound is so unlike anything else. It, unlike anything else that's come, you know, since then, that it was, it really stands out as a unique song. And his whole album that sort of got leaked is, is a really unique album. But at the time, I was on this, uh, this engineering mixing mastering forum where all these old guys who were listening to this song, they had all these uh, people coming in saying, oh, I want to sound like this now. I refuse to do it because they're doing things so improperly. This album that everybody loves did these processes the wrong way. And so I won't do it like that. Your limitations of I was taught to do, to do these things in this way, and that's the proper way to do things. So that's how I do it in the studio. It was preventing them from seeing like the beautiful majesty of this song because it was just, it was wrong. It was recorded incorrectly the way I'd been taught. It's not within their guardrails of how their, their mind functions, right? They've trained their mind to fun. And there's nothing. And, you know, I want to say too, like, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Everybody has the right, everybody makes their own choices. Everybody's on their own path. Everybody's in their, everybody's in their own world, right? You're in your own world. I'm in my own world. We're all in our own world. Right. So everybody can do whatever they want to do. But that what that's an incredible example in terms of like spotting and poignantly identifying an, an absolute burst of limitation that was just there and was set. Right. And we see it with artists that happen all the time. You know, every time there's a new artist that comes along, Taylor Swift did it. Beyonce did it. JLo did it when she you know, was doing her thing and she's still doing her thing like they all do it. And, and why do we have such an affinity for these artists? Because you know, the Beatles did it in the 60s. Like, look what the Beatles did. They were doing something nobody ever did. Right. And so like that becomes something that's so interesting. Why? Because the open minded individuals are like, wow, that's amazing. Or maybe they're on that frequency or whatever. Right. Like, like, wow, that's amazing. You know, because there's people that don't like the Beatles and that's fine. You don't need to like the Beatles, you know, but like everybody has their own opinions. But the point is, is like there's everybody within their own construct has limitations that are there. But when you see and you have like an affinity for someone, you can be that if you want, but it, and you, it might be in some field or in some act, and it might be in only like one pocket of your life where you're doing that. And that's totally awesome. But to even have the accomplishment of being able to identify a limitation or break through it. And if you reflect on your life and you think about some of these examples, you've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. Right. But expand on it try and think about it and then believe in yourself and believe in the energy that's that's powering your life because like there's an intelligence that's running your body that you didn't have to train how to breathe or how to pump blood right so like use it it's there it's there if you want to see another great example of people's minds getting blown and just understanding that there's so much more to what they understood as one thing for a long time in real time Go and watch the first time Michael Jackson does the moonwalk. It's on stage. It's at some award ceremony or something like that. It gets out there and he only does it twice throughout the entire song. I think it's Billie Jean that he does, but people do not understand what they're watching. The cameraman looks like he's going one way, but then they have to go back the other way because he's walking backwards, but he's, it looks like he's walking forwards and people at first they don't get it. And then they start going wild because it's like, Again, it's something they've never seen before. It's, it's like the equivalent of the first time, you know, it, this might be apocryphal, but the first time someone saw, you know, they show the first time people see movies back in the day and it's like the train coming towards them and they all jive out of the way because it's a completely new way of thinking about things that they just, their mind is being expanded in real time. Well, and reflecting on society and the ages that have come through and how we've developed even over the last hundred years, right? There was the industrial age. And this is just how it was done. And then it evolved into, you know, the ages throughout the wars that happened in the mid 20th century and then then the technology. And, and now we're in the transformation age, you know, and like and that's the consciousness of humanity and that's the consciousness of the planet. Right. I mean, it's not like there was I mean, I'm sure there's pockets of, of societies that exist that are probably still operating the way they did, you know, the way life lived thousands of years ago in, in remote areas of the world. 
the reality is, is like collectively as a, as a planet, our consciousness is connected in that sense in which we, once we accept something, oh, okay. All right. Everybody has a phone today. 20 years ago, that wasn't a thing, <laughs> right? 20 years ago, that wasn't a thing. Right. And so like, you know, to even think like everybody's going to have a phone, everybody's going to have a computer faster than the first computers that, you know, a hundred million times faster than the first computers that ever came out, you know, in, in their pocket, like connected with all of these other people around the planet, like literally anybody on the planet. Think about that. Like that's the new foundation. That's the new baseline. Right. And then everything that comes forward, we're building on that. And that becomes, all right, put it in the bank, like gun done. You know, that's the foundation. Now we're building on it and going there. And that's how society functions, but how you function, how I function, we each are doing that on our own level. But when we allow the world, our outside world, your outside world to determine those limitations through human suggestions. So whether they be people in your circle or people, you know, just outside or what the news says or what these experts say or whatever, what you accept as your truth becomes your, your reality. Right. So you're making that decision and, and you not making a decision is also a decision. <laughs> so the thing that usually usually doesn't allow us to experience the happiness and joy that's possible in life is the acceptance of these things. And then the downtrodden. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Or that's not possible. Or they say this is impossible or they say I can't do this. And, and then what happens? We get stuck on a lane that we're just living in and operating in because that's what we've accepted. Right. And, and the fact is, you don't need to. You don't need to. Those are all limitations. Just think of it. Oh, that's a limitation. You know, is it a snap of a finger to break beyond that? No, it's not. You have to understand it. Once you can start simplifying all those elements in your life as limitations, it starts to become so much easier because you have a common thread to say, oh, that's a limitation. That's a limitation. And you simplify it as something that's conquerable instead of something that's this big thing that, that everybody makes it out to be. And then you start finding small wins and then you can practically start evolving your own awareness and your own consciousness to something that you never thought possible. And you're having more frequently happy moments because you're like, man, and you look back, and you're like, wow, I don't do this anymore. I don't, that, that's not a thing that, that keeps me brown limited to, to what I was doing, you know, and, and before you know it, you have so much more life and you feel so much more accomplished because there's almost like an innate desire to accomplish things within life and following that desire is, is what ultimately leads to our happiness. And when we experience those things, then we have that. And then that, that becomes a, a cycle that we then ultimately, once you realize that that's a thing and that's where that's the source of happiness is, is following the inner desire to do something constructive and to do something good and to do something that you believe in that, you know, you should be doing. It just naturally falls into place and then you start doing these things and there's going to be diversions and there's going to be things that come up and, you know, weathering the storms of those things and, and, and not allowing yourself to get drawn into those experiences where those experiences use you, but you're using the experiences. So, Joe, let's challenge some people's conceptions of, I think, something that even in the title of this video, people are going to say, oh, this is woo woo or, oh, this is just this is something for influencers who you know are trying to sell me athletic greens on the internet or this is for buddhist monks and that's exactly what this article that we are going to talk about today a little bit before we dive into some more misconceptions meditation is more than either stress relief or enlightenment and this is something that you touch on constantly uh it came out on vox we'll have a link down in the description for this article Oshan Jero, anytime you want to come on the show. I hope you're pronouncing your uh, name right. Come on, let's go. Let's talk. I'd love to talk. I'd love to talk with you, Oshan. But this oh, article talks about sort of our bifurcated view on meditation as either a quick stress relief tool. I'm overwhelmed. Let me just meditate for a second and clear that part out of my mind or a path to enlightenment, which I feel like even just saying that term people are already tuning it out because people have said path to enlightenment so many times that it down doesn't really have a meaning to it anymore. And it goes through sort of the mental health crisis that is happening in the United States right now. I think I saw a stat the other day that like 83% of Gen Z say they don't really have a purpose in life. They're aimless. They're mindless. They don't feel like there's a future that they have. It goes through the mindfulness industry that is it's right now. It's like a hundred million dollars a year and it's expected to triple by 2031. But then it gets into all this new research that is coming out about the brain and about meditation and about the different levels of consciousness that you can attain through 
going through different uh, levels of meditation. It's not just a really easy stress relief tool or attaining enlightenment the way that Buddha did. There are different levels of consciousness that you can access through meditation in ways that have previously been locked behind things like psychedelics or, you know, really, really dedicating yourself to medication itself. And so there are all these folks who are coming out with different types of technologies to democratize access to deeper medication med experiences. But Joe, we got to pick your brain about this because you've been going through these in ways that I think, uh, you know, a lot of folks don't even realize there is parts to this. They're doing things like transcranial ultrasound stimulation to start affecting different parts of the brain because even just the act of meditation, even just the act of meditating and thinking about a problem that you've got can start to awaken different neural pathways to bring yourself new ways of processing information and just de-stressing and being able to, you know, it's almost like playing judo with that thought. You turn its energy against itself and now you have more tools later on for the next time you come up against something like this. Uh, so it's all about contemplative sciences and trying to get into this clinical support of it and just seeing how we can start using this as an actual mental health tool. It's a really interesting study. I probably should have zoomed myself back out a little while ago. Still need to get the star wipes going for that. But yeah, Joe, I know you went through it, but I think very briefly, I think one of the things that this article really goes through, which is one of the reasons why we're here, is the realization that to get to these different levels of consciousness, you need to build up the scaffolding. You need to have the ability to sort of support going to that level before you can actually go to it and figuring out a scalable way to do it, which I think, Joe, how long into your meditation journey did it take you to go from, oh, I'm just sitting here thinking about how I'm thinking about how I'm thinking about how I'm sitting here to actually really understanding and seeing the benefits of meditation on a, on a deeper level than that? So like the first thing, and I've, I've said this on previous episodes is like the very first time I meditated for 20 minutes after the 20 minutes, my entire body was tingling, like something I've never experienced before in my life. It was like someone plucked a tuning fork in my entire, like it was, it was the weirdest thing. And so I wouldn't call that a benefit. I would call that a something that happened that made me look deeper. <laughs> you know? And, you know, a colleague of mine shared an experience with, in which he meditated for the first time recently, even after hearing me for almost a year talk about the benefits that I had, it took him that long to, it took him a, it took him a concussion <laughs> to get to the point in which he, in which he could slow down his mind enough to where the doctors have to treat the concussion. were saying, you, you should be meditating, you know, like, cause it's, it will help you. Right. And so to think about think about that for a second, like like when people have a concussion, the clinical recommendation is to meditate like I didn't know that. Is that true? you don't have to have a concussion to meditate. You don't have, like is it is it more challenging? Is it challenging? Yes. But like you don't need to go through that. Right. And so but but his experience was is he had a vision of his grandmother that had passed when he was a child. Like, and he had this bright light, like everybody has a different experience, right? I need to say that. And and the other thing I want to say is this article is, is breaking beyond like meditation. For those of you that haven't meditated, like you're barely even trying to conceive the fact of, of doing that for the first time. It's something you just got to try. And it's something that is, I'll tell you right away, it's not going to be easy, but you know, as they say, what's easy in life. But what I will tell you is it does become more easy. And then once you're in it, it's so worth it. And it's one of those things is like, if someone were to tell you today is like, oh, you can have like almost no stress in your life. If you just spend 20 minutes a day doing something, you don't have to take this. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go over there. You don't have to go to the gym an hour a day. You just like literally are able to like sit quiet. But then as within the first few moments of it, we're like, oh, I can't do this. I'm the first to admit I did that. But the reality is, is, is all of those thoughts that are running through your head that are the excuse as to that's my, that was my excuse. I can't shut these off. And so I can't focus. It starts to go away, it starts to go away. And little by little, you don't plant a seed in the ground and a tree comes up tomorrow and you have fruit, right? It doesn't work like that. You know, as you mentioned, Riley, having scaffolding to be able to have a foundation and build, what does a tree do as it grows? grows, it grows, it grows, it grows. And ultimately it has an, a trunk, it has roots, it has all these things, right? And if you think about a journey that would exist, that is the path to enlightenment, which I won't even get into because that's an entirely subjective element of, of what it is, because that's something different for everybody. And you need to, 
You need to think about what it is that you want. As one of the things Oprah says is a lot of times, no, we don't have time. We don't sit down for a few moments and think about what it is that we want out of our life, what it is that we want out of every day, what it is, what makes today a good day, you know? And I'd suggest you to think to do that. Take five minutes and say, and even that's hard because why you just want to be, it's the easy thing to do is to just attach to what we were doing, which is focusing on what's next, right? And so to me, one of the things that I've learned is I feel like one of the challenges we have here being on this planet is to slow down our life so much to which we appreciate everything that's within our immediate awareness and appreciate how it got here, how it's possible that we're here. Everything that happens, my heart is beating. I have senses. I, 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 I'm breathing. The sun is rising. You know, the sky is blue. You know, all of these simple things, right? That's the first thing. It's like meditation is only what you make of it. If you make it out as this big thing that you're never going to do, then you're never going to do it. If you make it out as this thing is like, let me try and not have any expectation going into it, try it out. You might have some magical thing happen. And don't be disappointed if the next time you do it, it doesn't happen. Because remember, every experience is happening for a purpose for that moment. If you have something that happens and then the next time it doesn't happen, you can't say, oh, this doesn't work. You got to go through it. Buildings don't get built in a day. They take years. You know, cities don't develop in, in a few hours. They take decades, right? And I'm not saying it takes decades to get to the point. I've only been meditating for a year and I feel like it's transformed my entire life for the better to which I don't have, I don't have nearly the amount of stress. I'm so much more happier. I have so much more energy. You know, this is the energy of life. That's what this is. It's the energy of life. I can go up to people and have a conversation without it being some timid thing in which I have a fear that, oh, are they going to talk to me? Is this going to be a weird thing? You know, I just do it because it feels right. And it's just such an, ex it's, it's an incredibly joyful exchange because it's a natural expression, uh, you know, and everybody expresses differently. And then the new science of this is just getting started. Absolutely. Like you just say meditation is going to be a stress relief. Is it beneficial for that? Yes. Does it happen? Yes. But again, we talked about limitations. Is that a limitation? Absolutely. That just says, oh, it's just for that. Okay. All right. Joe, you're skipping ahead of my notes. I was going to say, let's bust some oh. myths about <laughs> meditation. The first one is meditation is just for stress relief. And I think you have to emphatically say no. I, I don't see your notes, by the way. <laughs> just, so you, just so everybody knows, I don't see Riley's notes. I just see Riley with the beautiful violet ray and his aura. And that's it. I see myself talking in the in the, the camera I'm looking into on this magically created phone that was in my pocket that is now recording this episode for me. <laughs> so, Joe, is meditation just for stress relief? No, meditation is not just for stress relief. And those that utilize it for that, that's wonderful. But realize that that definition and that terminology and that construct is a limitation. And then when you put that limitation on there, that's all it will ever be. When you don't put a limitation on it, you say, like, wow, let me see what this is. I don't, I'm never going to, never going to limit it. That when I get to the point, always believe there's more, there could be more. And I'm here to tell you as someone that has meditated for every day for just a, just last few weeks ago, a year straight, more and more, I, I now meditate on and off throughout the day. I would say a total of at least an hour and a half a day, sometimes two or three hours a day, depending on the day and the time that I have to commit to it. And some days are like unbelievably magical and I feel things I've never felt before. And some days are, are not, but the consistency of doing it is what's important. So Joe, myth number two, do you need to clear your mind completely to meditate? No, because if you say that you'll have to clear your mind completely to meditate, no one on the planet will ever start meditating. And that is a myth, 100%. I'll be honest, I meditate even having, you know, meditated as much as I've meditated and as frequently as I do and as much as I do it, there's still thoughts that come into my mind during my meditation. Is it what it was in the beginning? No. Will I say, but will I say it's, if in the beginning, 99% of the thoughts, even while I was trying to meditate were what I didn't want when I was trying to focus on, on peacefulness. Now I'd say it's, you know, maybe 10% of the time. So it's complete, but that's evolved. You know, so like it started where all of these were the thoughts that I didn't want. Now it's these are the thoughts that I didn't want. And so it built and developed over time and then realizing it as a reflection to say, all right, well, like that doesn't happen anymore. And even when it does happen, it does still kind of does get to me a little bit, but I have to be able to say, all right, this is not what it's so like just recenter and refocus, you know, and then ultimately realizing it'll get there. You often talk about awareness. You even said it at the very beginning, like just slow down and become aware of 
the trees, the sky, the air knows you're breathing. What are simple things to think yeah. about that don't require complex thought, right? Is like, and even focusing, like sometimes I will, sometimes I'll meditate with my eyes open and my wife looks at me like I'm crazy because like it looks super weird with like, you're just staring at something, right? You know, and, but some, I'll just look at a tree. You know, I'll look at a tree, I'll focus on a leaf on a tree and then I'll shut my eyes and then I'll, 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 I'll open when I feel like I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting like distracted with something. I'll open my eyes and focus on that. And then that'll allow me to kind of bring that back in and allow me to have a maintaining of focus. Because one of the things that I'll say, it's hard to silence your, because what do they say when you just, just focus on nothing? You can't focus on nothing. How do you focus on nothing? Even in the beginning, I was like, what is nothing? Like, is it darkness? <laughs> So I did that for a while and I was, and that was challenging. And so I, and I ultimately got to the point of, if I were starting new today, what I would say is focus on like light. Think about your heart, focus on your heart and think about your heart is like a miniature sun. Like there's a miniature sun of energy in your heart. That's powering your life, like a little ball of light. That's it. Just a little ball of light. And if you can focus on that and you've all, everybody's seen the sun, we see the sun, you know, those of us that are, you know, thankful enough to have vision, like see the sun, like and allow that to be something simple that we can focus on that's within our heart, powering our life. That's what I would suggest. Now, Joe, a lot of people are going to come and say, I don't have an hour a day. I don't have 45 minutes in a day to meditate. I'm never going to get results out of this. Is it true that you need to spend a ton of time meditating each day to get see the results from it? Absolutely not. There are times when I started, I did 20 minutes a day because I felt that was good for me. Some people start five minutes a day. Some people start, then they ultimately do 10 minutes. And sometimes you do 20 and then sometimes you only do five. But the consistency is what's important. And the reality is, is you're only going to come to a level of defining what that correct time is for you at that correct moment as these beautiful doves are fluttering in front of me. For you, what you experience and what you believe is what you should do. But the reality is you're never going to make progress if you don't start and you're never going to feel the feeling. And that's it. You got to feel the feeling is the most important part of meditation because we're just to this point, we've only talked about thoughts. We haven't talked about feeling. And I think that's one of the things that's not talked enough about within meditation is focusing on the feeling, focusing on what it feels like and trying to understand what that feels like. And you're really just trying to feel the energy of your life. That's what you're trying to feel. And like, what does that mean? What's a good place to start? Gratitude. Trying to make you feel so great, like the feeling of so grateful. And to recall that feeling and have that be a foundation for how to potentially feel when you're meditating. I think consistency is key to this. This is something that I tell clients in podcasting all the time. No one listens to a podcast that ran every single day, an hour a day for a month and then burnt out. They listen to the ones that have gone for four or five years, once a week or once a month or something like that, that they build into their routine that's sustainable for them. So figure out what that is for you. Is it five minutes in the morning just after getting up? Is it 10 minutes in the afternoon, you know, after you put the baby to bed or something like that? Like find your moment and then just, even if it's five minutes, even if it's 10 minutes, make that for you, make it five minutes of awareness that you wouldn't normally have. Because then at the end of the year, you did that for five minutes a day, 365 days, that really adds up. And I'll say I'll just an observation for those that are listening with our consistency of what we're talking about limitations today. If you've done that, then that's and that's what you're able to do. Then that's amazing. But at the same time, if you if you did five minutes a day for a week and you're like, oh, let me you know, I feel something. Let me try and do this a little bit more. You can do that. So like whatever you say, it'll be is what it'll be. So that's the limitation you've set on it. And not to say that that's a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. It's whatever you make it to be. And so if you decide that you felt something and you say, oh, I want to try more. The one thing I will say that I was, so here's, when you talk about limitations of meditation, what I was always thinking is what is the possibility that exists here? I'm not going to put any limit on this. And then what you, what I was ultimately trying to get to is feeling the feeling that I feel in deep meditation throughout my regular day. That's what my goal was. I could feel like right now, I could feel it now. I can feel what I feel in certain levels of meditation right now by just being able to recall that feeling. That's what I achieved. That's what I set out because I felt like that was possible. And I'm so thankful to have come to the place. Who wants to live their life just trying to go sit quietly, right? We're all living our life. So like, but can you be able to do that and recall that? Like that to me was, was like the ultimate. Now, Joe, when you go to meditate, you cross your legs, you put your fingers up like this, and you go, um, the whole time, because that's the only way to meditate. There's no other way. 
No, I do it differently all the time. I was meditating as we were as you were typing an email as we were preparing for this call for this recording. I was meditating for two minutes while you were doing that, just being quiet, sitting here with my hands on my on my legs. Sometimes I sit in a chair. Sometimes I sit with my feet up. Sometimes I sit in the spa in my pool because interestingly, water is a conductor of electricity and we're all electric beings. And so that removes a layer of, you know, gravity doesn't exist that much as it does outside of water. And so there's a different element there. So I mix it up, whatever feels right, you know, but I will say I always start my day with at least five minutes of some sort of grounding meditation something simple. And I always, always, always end my day before I go to sleep. The last five minutes before you go to sleep. And so many experts will tell you this is the most important because what you say and what you're thinking about before you go to sleep is what your subconscious is going to do while you're sleeping. Oh my gosh. I've had so many work dreams, so many dreams where I'm back selling shoes as a traveling shoe salesman as a child, because the last five minutes I did before I was awake was like looking over a project file or like typing out an email that I knew I wanted to get a jump on in the morning. It's the worst thing you can do for yourself. You're setting yourself up for waking up the next morning, feeling like you've just worked an extra eight hours. Even if you just talk like, you know, my wife goes to bed, she goes to bed a little bit before me and I'll say, you know, like, like blue skies and butterflies and rainbows and flowers and, you know, just like little words to get you to think about something that is not what was in your day. Even if you had those experiences of the day, you're recalling them. That was, that was an amazingly, amazingly magical day if you had those things happening in your day. But like to give like some simple elements to kind of ground to that are peaceful that we, I think we all can relate to is, is another trick that I've used for myself and, and for my wife. Now, Joe, what are the, about the people who say, I'm a devout Christian, I can't meditate, that's praying to a different entity. Everybody can make their own choices. Everybody can do their own thing. If that's what they believe, that's what they believe. But at the same time, meditating is not religious. From my perspective, meditating is all about energy. And the real, here's the reality. Do you have a heartbeat? If you're alive, you have a heartbeat. <laughs> so what is the source of a heartbeat? Electricity. Okay. Electricity is energy. So meditation is all about energy. It's all about connecting with the energy that's in your heart. And I grew up Catholic. That was my thing growing up. I can't tell you the last time I've been to church. I'm not like denominational. What I believe is I believe in life. I believe in love. I believe in, in the energy of life. And the reality is, is we all have a heartbeat. Every human being has a heartbeat that's alive. What qualifies somebody as alive or dead? Do they have a heartbeat? What powers that? Electricity. And what do you do when you're meditating? You're connecting with the energy of your body. You're connecting with the energy of your life. The more you meditate, the more activity happens in your brain, which are all electrical pulses and electrical signals. You know, they say only 5% of the, you know, we, human, typical person only uses 5% of their brain. But when you're advanced meditating, you are unlocking elements of your brain that were probably never functioning your entire life which is incredibly interesting. You know, talk about breaking beyond a limitation. I never wanted to be someone, I, I always remember being younger and reading that. Like, man, there's so much potential there. How do we tap into that, you know? So that's what I would say, you know, and, and again, again, everybody can believe whatever they wanna believe, but I believe it's, it's an energy thing. It's a fundamental element of life thing. And here's the thing, like we all go to sleep every night. We don't know what happens when we sleep, but what if it's whatever's running our life like powering our body saying, Hey, you've done a little bit too much of all that other stuff. Go back. Cause we need to recharge your whole system because <laughs> it's not focusing on the energy of your life. Right. But then when you're meditating, you're doing that consciously. We're talking about conscious subconscious is a beautiful monarch butterfly just fluttered by. Oh my God. Whoa. Came right a foot away from me, right out of the queue. Oh my God. Oh, see the little things that have, have now enticed me and, and take my attention after doing this. <laughs> it didn't take me that it took me a year to do that. It took me a few months to be in the place in which I was appreciating all the nature that was around me and surrounding me. But my point is, is when we're consciously connecting with the energy of our life, because when we're sleeping, we're unconsciously connecting with our energy technically. Right. And so, but when we're conscious, that's what I truly, if you ask me, what is meditation? Meditation is consciously connecting with the energy of your life. And then feeling that intelligence. There's no words that exist that can conceive of what that is. You have to feel it. You have to experience it. And I believe as this article conveys, we're just getting started from a scientific perspective to understanding the possibilities that exist 
with what we are and what life is. Now, Joe, all meditation is the same, right? It's just mindfulness. So here's the thing. Like, I, I believe that every word is a limitation. You have a word that exists and there's only a certain group of people that understand that word. But then you say a different word that means the exact same thing to a different group of people. And it's just for those people, right? So mindfulness in and of itself, I think, is a limiting element, as all words I have come to understand are. But you need words to communicate within our society. And <laughs> you need, and, we're, and these definitions and these words create some grounding for commonality to for reference, right? And so I think that there's... Um, I feel like I went too down deep on the path. What was the question again? <laughs> Basically that all meditation is the same, which I don't think, I think. No, man. It's so, no. I mean, if you say all meditations, I mean, I've already given half a dozen examples in which different ways I meditate, different experiences you have. You're not going to have the same experience every single time. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you're walking into meditation thinking you're going to have the same feeling every time, you're going to have the same experience every time, never going to happen, never, 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 never going to happen. So like eliminate any expectation that if you feel something incredibly magical and amazing, you don't have it happen tomorrow. Oh, it doesn't work anymore. Stop doing it. No, that's the worst thing you can do. Your life is giving you that experience to help you realize what's possible. As we talked about in the beginning, if you don't know what's possible, you don't have anything to reference to. And almost all of us in this world need a point of reference to see what's possible because then that establishes our limitation. And then that allows us to say, oh, if I can reach that, I can go beyond that. Now, final myth to bust, immediate results. Am I going to see them? Depends on what you define as immediate results. If I were to define, so everything is a limitation, Riley. That's one of the main things I've learned in the past year throughout going through this entire experience and this journey that I'm still on and I'm still learning new things every day and I'm still gaining a depth of understanding that I didn't have. It's constantly evolving. And if I had set the expectation in my first meditation to say, oh, I'm going to have some weird unexplainable experience. Yes. Yes. It worked, you know, but like that doesn't happen every time. And so I think every one of those myths are a defined limitation that human suggestion. It's just a natural thing that we do is we just, Oh, accepted. All right. That's what it is. You know, cause we don't want to think about it. We don't want to dive in. We don't want to try and understand more. So the easy thing to do is to just kind of Put that in a box over here. Like, this is what meditation is. Not for me. Not going to do it, which I'll admit I did that for like my entire life up until a year ago. That was me, you know, and I can tell you the first time I was able to start understanding where these limitations were as I experienced things in meditation, it just helped me open up an entire new world that has been so magical, so unexplainable in terms of, in terms of harmony and function and, you know, and then even things that you think that come across that you don't want happen, you realize that it happened for a purpose and you understand that it was for you consciously to use that experience for your own understanding instead of that experience is using you. And, and the way you know the difference is if you're stressed and you're angry and you're reacting in all of these chaotic ways, that experience is almost always using you. But if you're reacting harmoniously, if you're reacting peacefully, you're using that experience. If you give it chaos, you'll experience chaos. If you give it peace, you'll experience peace. <laughs> so here's our challenge for you this week, dear listener, dear viewer. Challenge your expectations. Challenge your notion of what meditation is. Find five minutes a day. Find 10 minutes a day. Find whatever you can do every day for a week. Come back and tell us how it went. Take those five minutes for yourself. Just concentrate on your breathing. Concentrate on something around you. Focus on something that you wouldn't normally focus on. Figure out what that is, and then let that be the basis. Let that be the seed for starting up your meditation journey. And some people are already on that meditation journey. And, they're, and they might have heard things today that say, wow, I didn't even think about that. So to those of you that are already on the meditation journey, that have already experienced things that maybe haven't experienced benefits as you've qualified them to be, open up the possibilities. Think about all the things that have been classified by your own awareness with what your expectations are. And then think about the possibility of not having that expectation and then seeing what happens. Because usually when we least expect things or we don't expect things, that's when I've experienced the magic happening, you know, as another butterfly just flutters right behind the camera. All right. So like, comment, subscribe, bell notification, all those good things. 
down in the comments. Tell us your own experiences about meditation. If you've got a question for Joe, he's the expert here. Put it down there. I'm claiming to be an expert. Want to just say that. Just have had some some pretty remarkable experiences that I've challenged myself to go through. That's all it is for everybody. Every individual is in charge of their own life and their own choices and is on their own path, right? I've just made choices in which I said, I need to do this. I'm going to be disciplined to do this. Here we go. So Joe's the very modest expert here, but he'll still answer your questions. Um, and we will see you next week. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>